you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And now, move the sticks. Ten takeaways from week one. With Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Stick, presented by Zaxby's. We are back once again with our 10 Takeaway episode following uh, a real busy week one of action in the National Football League. Excited to have Rhett Lewis back with us, Bucky Brooks here as well. Buck, uh, first of all, just overall impression from the first full Sunday of football. A lot of overreaction. A lot of overreaction (laughs) to what took place the first weekend. A lot of people are, are really ready to either go to the Super Bowl or they're ready to throw in the towel. And I think everyone needs to exhibit a little patience because we didn't have a preseason. It will take a while for the good teams to separate from the others. You know, uh, guys, I thought this was a fantastic opening salvo of the personnel changing places this offseason, the premier personnel, right? You want to talk about Tom Brady going to Tampa and, you know, I mean, you talk about frustration, um, 
in week one against the Saints. And then meanwhile, Cam Newton's all smiles in New England, right? And then you got the other one of the other big moves, the trade. DeAndre Hopkins has a career day for Arizona while the Texans struggle a little bit without him. All of those storylines, this opening um, kind of opening hit here of those kind of things that are going to play out for the rest of the season, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, we're going to get into these takeaways in just a second. Big picture for me, I think football on the on the West Coast is looking pretty good right now. When you look at the AFC West and the NFC West, yeah. mentioned the Cardinals there with their big win over the Niners. They look like they're going to be an exciting team. Russell Wilson would be the MVP if we just had one week of football. So that's the NFC West. In the AFC West, we saw the Chiefs dominate on Thursday night, and then the Chargers and the Raiders uh, both get wins on the road. So uh, the football on the left coast is looking pretty good. But uh, what do you say? Let's just, get, let's just get into this thing here. Let's jump into our first takeaway. I'll lead us Kick off. Kick it off for us. And let's start with uh, talking about the Chargers, the game that I was calling there, the Chargers and the Bengals, our first look at the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. And my takeaway from that game watching Burrow the poise is there. Just be patient. The playmaking will come. Burrow waits for the shotgun snap. He runs a nice. quarterback draw. Nice. Ray Hopkins with a great nice. Get in the 10, yeah. 5 touchdown. Beauty. As Joe Burrow's first NFL touchdown comes on a 23-yard run on a beautifully called quarterback draw. Yeah, look, I thought Joe Burrow struggled in this game early. There's a lot of pressure. The offensive line is still a work in progress there for the Bengals. Took a lot of shots, especially from Joey Bosa in this ballgame. But he hung in there. And I thought you see the touchdown run. You saw the athleticism on the quarterback draw. Almost had a game winner to A.J. Green at the end. It was called back off an offensive pass interference penalty. But, Buck, I, I just thought the, the thing of that last drive was what left me with a lot of confidence Joe Burrow is going to be a good player in this league. First start, getting in a two-minute drill and methodically moving the ball down the field with good, accurate throws and excellent de decision-making. You know, DJ, that's where I really was most impressed with him. When he got into the two-minute drill, it was just like he was back at LSU. A lot of command, a lot of control, very decisive, very accurate. And we saw the poise, and we saw why everyone really and really just loves him, uh, not only at LSU, but at Cincinnati. They believe they have a real quarterback, and your franchise quarterback is supposed to give you hope. I think there are a lot of hopeful people in the Bengals organization and fans after watching Joe Burrow perform. You know, I don't know how many more uh, designed runs we're going to see from Joe Burrow. I did not expect to see his first touchdown as a pro, a 23-yard QB draw for a score. But look, he's going to need a little bit of that escapability, DJ, as you saw firsthand. That offensive line for the Bengals has got some work to do, even though they went up against maybe one of the premier pass rush teams in all of football in the Chargers. And I loved how Joe, you know, Joe Burrow leading up to this game and really – Kind of this whole this whole year that he's really been in the spotlight has said, I'm, I don't get nervous. Do I ever seem nervous to you? And really the only time I saw him a little flustered in this game was on that, sh that shovel pass incident. But <laughs> like you mentioned, yeah. I mean, look, and he has a tendency to do that to quarterbacks around the league, right? Um, but the, the, the thing that I love, as you mentioned, was the poise. I mean, he looked completely unfazed on that final drive. And I think if put in that kind of situation again, he's going to figure out a way to get a win for his football team and not leave it into the feet or the calf of a kicker uh, to try and tie the game and prolong it. Yeah, it was a terrible miss uh, at the end yeah. of that ball game. There was a couple moments though where they went empty, and and Joe kind of wanted to just sit back in the rocking chair like he did at LSU, and he quickly realized, okay, this is not <laughs> LSU's <laughs> offensive line in front of me, and that is not Tulane's defensive line on the other right. side. It, it took him a little bit to try and speed up his clock, uh, but then he got going. All right, Buck, what's your what's your first takeaway? Cam is all about the Patriot way. 
Newton fakes and rolls into the right. Cam's going to run it to the 10. Outside to the 5. Newton to the pylon. Got Touchdown. it. Touchdown. Yeah. Patriots. His second in his New England debut. Former Georgia Bulldog, team captain David Andrews gets handed the ball for the spike. It's a way to smell the goal line and get in and lower your shoulder. You know, when you look at this combination on paper, you wondered how it was going to work out. But Bill Belichick and those guys continue to find a way to take players and put them in the best situations to succeed. You watch this offense. This offense looked nothing like the Tom Brady offense. They ran the ball 42 times. Cam had 15 carries. In fact, they were doing things that Cam used to do back in Auburn. Quarterback powers, things where he's coming downhill. So, so much for, hey, we're going to protect Cam. Cam was playing the way that he always played. And I'll say this, I always believed that Cam Newton would benefit from playing under Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick because more attention to details and better discipline. We saw a very efficient passing performance. And as he continues to get comfortable in this system, I think we will see him manage the game better. And that is a scary proposition for opponents having to face the Patriots. Yeah, Red, I don't know about you, man, but 15 carries for Cam Newton as we go forward. I he was tackled 10 or 11 times in those carries. So when you kind of juxtapose the way he was running versus Kyler Murray, who we'll get to, Kyler Murray only got tackled one time. He carried the ball 13 times. He got tugged down by his shirt lightly to the ground. Cam Newton's dropping his shoulder on guys. And I just, I don't know if that's going to be sustainable. I, I love the way they've established a the physicality there at the line of scrimmage. And he was efficient as a passer. They're going to have to dial that back a little bit, in my opinion. I mean, you look like Ironhead Hayward down there by the goal line. I mean, he was he was trying to truck guys and get into the end zone. And I get it. I love watching Cam play that way. I feel like that's when we get that energy from him. That's when he's got that ear-to-ear smile. That's when he's at his best. I wonder, like you, how viable it is for a full 16-game and regular season and perhaps playoff appearance. Now, the question that I'll have you know, for you guys here quickly is, it, was this game plan for the Miami Dolphins or is the QB power, the QB design runs for Cam Newton going to be a staple of this offense? Because I do question the development of the pass game a little bit here. Uh, you know, Bucky, when you look at Nikhil Harry, five catches, 39 yards, uh, Julian Edelman, five catches under 70 yards. I mean, like where are the explosive plays going to come from when they need it? No, I think this is the way the Patriots have to play because I think this is the way that Cam plays best. Uh, we can talk about what they tried to do in Carolina, transitioning him. He actually got m- more injuries and was hit more when he was trying to be the pocket player. I think with Cam Newton, especially if you're the Patriots, he's on one-year deal. I think you have to play him the way that he has always played at his best, and that is with him running the ball, a heavy dose of Cam, basically being a single-wing quarterback. That is when he's thrived. And I think in terms of the explosive pace, the explosive plays come off play action. I saw the stat. According to Next Gen, 88% of the plays were either runs or play action. That's the Patriots' <laughs> offense, and I think that has to be the offense going forward because of the talent that they have. They're going to have to run the ball and really lean on their defense to win games. All right, Rhett, what's your, what's your takeaway here? What do we got? All right, take, takeaway number three, taking you to Baltimore, where week one was an MVP encore for Lamar Jackson. Jackson looking to throw, has great protection, lobs to the five, it is caught, touchdown, Willie Sneed! And Lamar Jackson has delivered his third touchdown toss of the day. So to those who wondered if Lamar Jackson could deliver the ball downfield, if he could stand tough in the pocket when it was collapsing, if he could hit the throws outside the numbers, the answer is an unequivocal yes, yes, and yes. You know, guys, with expectations absolutely sky high for the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson, I thought he stood up and and even exceeded them. Uh, You know, 
expectations the same for this Ravens team. I thought they exceeded them. This game was never really in doubt. Uh, against the Browns. I mean, the Ravens were in control of this game, capitalized off a couple of early turnovers. But for Lamar, he talked all this offseason about wanting to improve everything in this game with a special emphasis on the deep ball, and you saw it right there. That deep ball to Marquise Hollywood Brown was a thing of beauty. That was Russell Wilson-esque, dropping it in the bucket like that. His connection with Mark Andrews, the tight end, is as good a quarterback-to-pass catcher connection as there is in football. They connected twice uh, for touchdowns. According to Next Gen Stats, on the deep ball in particular, I thought this was interesting, DJ. 11 of 13 for 194 yards, three TDs, and a perfect passer rating on throws that went 10 plus yards in the air so even when the run game is not dominant they can rely on Lamar Jackson and his right arm to get things done it was interesting when when you watch the tape Buck because when I when I watched it they when they're rushing four playing with two high they couldn't get home and when they did get home Lamar was able to buy a little extra time and that's when a lot of those plays developed down the field by the way side note if you're gonna if you're gonna put uh, Marquise Brown in the slot, and you're going to give him free access on your safety. You get absolutely what you deserve with that. That is, there's no chance that's going to end well for your defense. But when they when they rushed for Lamar was patient back there. He just sat back there, waited for things to uncover. If he needed to buy some time, he bought some time and made plays down the field. I saw Cleveland gave him just the tiniest bit of trouble when they started sending some extra rushers at him. I, I know you kind of want to be conservative because if you miss him, he can gash you with his legs. But I thought they really tried to sit back in this game, and Lamar showed a lot of maturity to sit back there and pick him apart. I, I think going forward, you play the Ravens, you're going to have to try and heat him up a little bit. You can't just sit back there like that. Yeah, no, DJ, I, I agree with you, and I think that is the flawed game plan that you have when you face the Baltimore Ravens. They throw so much at you. You have to deal with the powerful physical running game that they have with four running backs. J.K. Dobbins showed up, had a touchdown. You have Lamar Jackson, who's also a part of that running game, doing quarterback read options and all of the stuff that they do with him. And then the vertical passing game that they've unveiled. Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, those guys being able to really take the top off the defense, they give you a lot to think about. And you're right. I do not believe you can sit back. You have to come after Lamar Jackson. You have to make him make quick decisions on the fly. I think if you're sitting back, man, he's just going to carve your part. And he has shown over time that he's a much better passer than we have given him credit for. And he's continuing to improve in that phase. We got the rookie two tuds. We got tons or tubs. I still don't know which one it is, Bucky, but we got J.K. Dobbins <laughs> into the paint twice. J.K. Dobbins putting it in the end zone. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they got it going. I know what my little mini takeaway off of that was, man, I'm already, I'm already jonesing to give me some Kansas City Chiefs and Baltimore Ravens. I want to see that oh, right now is. based off what those two offenses look like early in the season. Load it up. Well, it was fun to watch Sunday night football and watch the Los Angeles Rams open up that beautiful new stadium against the Dallas Cowboys. It actually ended up being a very entertaining game as well. I uh, wish you could have had some fans in there really get that energy cranked up. But nonetheless, it was fun football. And, uh, and my biggest takeaway from that game, Aaron Donald is a bad man. Prescott sits in the pocket, has to bring it down. He's hit. He's wrapped up. He's sacked back in Dallas territory. Aaron Donald with his first of a new season and his first career sack against the Cowboys. If you don't get the ball out on that third step or that fifth step, Aaron Donald will be in your face. I don't know what analogy we would use. You know, Buck, we have a lot of those, uh, you know, those scouting phrases. Bowling ball of butcher knives, uh, a bowl in a china shop. I don't know what we want to use for Aaron Donald in that game, but disruptive uh, from start to finish, run, pass. It did not matter. 
He's just, he's so unusual to see somebody with that type of leverage and explosiveness. This is a good front that he went up against. I mean, these are, these are all pro players, and you got a, one of the best pass-protecting backs in the National Football League. He's throwing them around like they're little kids in this game. Uh, just when you think you couldn't be more impressed with Aaron Donald, you, you see a showcase game like this one, Bucky, and he just, he blows me away. Look, man, he is very impressive. And I was very impressed with the Rams' defense. You just didn't know what Brandon Staley was going to do because he's stepping in big shoes. Wade Phillips is, look, one of the best to ever do it on the defense side of the ball as a coordinator. He steps in, and I will say the first thing that stood out to me, they were far more diverse in their coverage. With Aaron Donald being able to rush up front, we saw them jump into some two-deep coverage. We saw them use some trap coverage so Jalen Ramsey could get some big shots on wide receivers. We saw the overall tenor of this team, a more physical unit, not only on defense, but on offense. And so, look, we've kind of dismissed the Rams having an opportunity to kind of climb the ranks in the NFC West. But the team that showed up on Sunday night is certainly good enough to go toe-to-toe with the other contenders in the division. Yeah, and as you alluded to uh, at the beginning there, DJ, this is not against any slouch of an offensive line. I mean, he goes up against regularly in that game maybe the premier guard in football in Zach Martin right there. And I thought he got the best of him for a good portion of this game. I mean, he rushed the passer 35 times, generated legitimate pressure 10 (laughs) times out of 35. I mean, that's a phenomenal pressure rate for an interior defensive lineman. I mean, Floyd coming off the edge couldn't get half that. He still got a sack. So uh, it was kind of interesting to see that little tandem perhaps emerge for the Rams. But, I mean, Aaron Donald, it's clear, can still take over a football game when he wants, and he did on Sunday night. And a lot of Dak criticism floating around on the on Twitter as well, which is ridiculous to me when you well, go back Well, 3-12 and and on third down. A lot of third, well, a lot, but yeah. a lot of those third downs. You're third and 10-plus. You have protection issues, which were yeah. documented by watching what Aaron Donald did. And Jalen Ramsey just mugged Amari Cooper. Now, you can just call it the most physical coverage. They let him play uh, until, ironically, the end of the game where they, where they let, uh, you know, through the offensive pass interference penalty. Uh, but they just mugged those wide receivers, Bucky. That, to me, looked like the way they were playing coverage looked like the old-school Patriots against the Colts that we used to see, that type of physicality there on the edge. Yeah, no, it's kind of funny, right, because this is a tale of two offenses. When you look at the Rams, it is all sizzle and sexy and moving and misdirection and all those things. And the Dallas is just a very straightforward, basic offense. And they just basically overwhelm you with their talent. The problem is when you get in these long yarder situations, you have an undrafted free agent in Terrence Steele playing at right tackle. They were isolating him by putting three defensive linemen on the other side forcing the offensive line to slide that way and making Terrence Steele deal with whoever they had on their side. It could be Leonard Floyd. It could be whoever they wanted. And he was having a tough time dealing with the fastball, particularly late. This Dallas team is talented, but their offensive line is an Achilles heel. And we need to change the narrative about this being one of the best offensive lines. They aren't what we thought they were. This is not the unit that really took the field a couple of years ago. Right, without Travis Frederick, Frederick Frederick without Lyle Collins. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Buck, what's, uh, what's takeaway number five? Hey, so with the Washington football team, grip matters. Second and goal from the three. They hand off here to Peyton Barber with time. Dives through. It. Is he in? Yes! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! And this Washington team is excited, guys. Come on. This is what we're talking about. You know, when, when we looked at this team and you look at them on paper, offensively, you're like, man, I don't know if they have enough talent to win games. But when you flip over the defense and you see the tough-minded crew that they've assembled up front, 
they can dominate. And I think what we saw is that star-studded front line took over. And their toughness overwhelmed the Philadelphia Eagles. Eight sacks from these guys up front. Ryan Kerrigan had two. Chase Young had one and a half. And then they just got after it. DJ, you tweeted out about just the game plan that Jack Del Rio had for this front line. If they're able to continue to get this effort, this is a team that may win eight or nine games just on the way that their defense plays because this defense is top-notch, particularly in the trenches. It looked like those old Carolina defenses, Bucky, that you're familiar with, and, and watching the front get after it, watching a secondary that plays with eyes on the quarterback at, at all times, a lot of bail coverage, but then you saw Carson Wentz get locked on. They can put their foot in the ground, drive on it, and make plays down the field. Uh, but I thought this was, a, this was a major miscalculation by the Philadelphia Eagles. They had no Lane Johnson in this game. You have no Brooks in this game, one of the best guards in, in all of football. So you're missing two all-pros. You've got some speed that you got in the draft with Jalen Rager and Hightower. You get Deshaun Jackson healthy. And it looked like they just wanted to go out there and play with all these new toys and really push the ball vertically down the field. They can't protect to be able to take those shots. And even when they did have some opportunities, uh, Wentz missed some throws down the field as well. So uh, they've got to go back to the drawing board a little bit. They've got to get their running game going. They've got to get Miles Sanders healthy. Uh, but again, you're right, Buck. I, I would uh, tip my cap to Jack Del Rio, to Ron Rivera. Uh, that, was a, that was a physical, physical football team we saw from Washington in that one. It was, a, it was an impressive win for them uh, over the Eagles. All right, Rhett, what's your next takeaway? Yeah, takeaway six is going to take us to the NFC North where you should not doubt Aaron Rodgers. Three receivers right, one to the left from the shotgun. Second and ten, snap a route going deep down the right sidelines. MBS has it to the end zone for the touchdown. Oh, what a play. He took it away from Cameron Danzler. Marquez Valdez-Scanling, 45-yard touchdown reception. All right, guys. So let's go back to April because I don't know how seriously everybody out there, Packers fans, really took the Packers' motives in trading up for Jordan Love and selecting him, the quarterback from Utah State, uh, in the first round. Though you've got Aaron Rodgers still, you know, in the prime of his career here. So I don't, I don't know how much I buy into the whole. Oh, Rodgers is going to play with the chip on his shoulder and he's going to play on fire, like his left tackle David Bakhtiari said moments after the pick. Lest we forget, the guy's just really flipping good. Like, he's a generational talent at quarterback, and he showed you why on Sunday. I mean, the throws that he was making, these are the, those tight window throws, those um, improbable completion percentage throws. In fact, Next Gen Stats, Next Gen Stats tracks this now. Uh, he had a, the 24-yard TD pass to, Aaron, to Devontae Adams, completion probability 16%. 40-yard completion to Adams in the fourth quarter. Completion probability, 14%. I mean, this guy makes difficult throws look easy, and let's not forget about it. Now, it certainly helps when you're only hit twice the entire game. Vikings had no pass rush for him, and he was able to shred a couple of corners, you know, Holton Hill out there, and then also Mike Hughes out there. I mean, Devontae Adams, guys, he had a, a pass rating of 144 when he was targeting Devontae Adams. And by the way, it was... It was a very large sample size, 17 targets <laughs> on the day, okay? So it's not like you just target him four times. Um, he's just – he is an unbelievable quarterback, and I think we should have expected more of this in year two now with Matt LaFleur and placing a little bit more of an emphasis on the aerial attack, DJ. 
You know, Red, it's funny because I feel like we should issue some apologies to Brian Gutekus because so much of the outrage with the Packers not taking Jordan Love in the first round had to do with them not taking a wide receiver. And maybe just maybe the Green Bay Packers felt like their guys were going to develop. So Devontae Adams is the table setter. He's obviously the number one. But we saw MVS make some plays. Marquise Valdez-Gantling make some plays and get down the field. We saw Aaron Rodgers throw it to other guys and allow those guys to make plays. And so as you're developing the chemistry with these young wide receivers, maybe, just maybe, they felt like these guys were going to take a step forward. And based on how they played against the Minnesota Vikings, those young receivers certainly stepped up with Devontae Adams certainly leading the way. Uh, I was just thinking as we kind of wrap up this takeaway, it reminded me of kind of an open gym where the one guy walks in and you've got people trying to congregate and assemble their teams. And the one guy just, just give me four dudes, man. I'm going to go out here and just run this court real quick. It doesn't matter who I have. Uh, that, that was Aaron Rodgers in this game. But I thought Rhett nailed it when he was talking about the fact they had no pressure. Aaron Rodgers, as a seven-on-seven thrower with no pressure, there's nobody better. I mean, he's going to sit back <laughs> yeah. there and pick you apart exactly what he did in this football game. So uh, you got to be encouraged if you're the Green Bay Packers. you got to be a little discouraged with the lack of pass rush if you're the Minnesota Vikings. Everson Griffin uh, no longer there. Where is that pass rush going to come from? So that's going to be a big, uh, a big challenge for that team. They need to get healthy up front, some other injuries as well. Uh, all right, next takeaway for me, let's keep it on the quarterback theme here. Josh Allen uh, still running the show. It's a play fake. Allen, he's got a wide-open lane and a Buffalo touchdown. Great play-action fake by Josh Allen, extending that ball so that all the eyes could see he's about to give it off. He pulls it back in, goes the opposite direction. Nobody there to touch him. Yeah, this is a Buffalo Bills team that beat up the New York Jets, really on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And that physicality also comes from the quarterback position, which is what's unique about their offense. I thought we might see Josh Allen try and dial some of that back. Did not happen. Uh, he was very aggressive as a runner, but still threw for over 300 yards. I thought he did a nice job of taking what was there, but being selectively aggressive when he had opportunities. But, Bucky, they're not, they're not going to be able to rein him in as a runner. Thankfully, he's so big and so strong and so sturdy, he's been able to hold up. But, man, it is, a, it is an aggressive brand of football, uh, the way Josh Allen plays it at the quarterback position. He certainly plays it in a very aggressive style. And I've said this, um, I believe that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and those guys like Josh Allen because he could certainly do, to a lesser degree, some of the stuff that Cam Newton did when the Carolina Panthers went to the Super Bowl. They saw that offense have success. I think they've replicated it to a degree in Buffalo. And Josh Allen is what he is as a quarterback. He's a guy that is a streaky passer when it comes to his accuracy, but he makes up with it makes up for it with his running ability and his overall physicality and toughness. I think that endears him to his teammates, but it also puts defensive coordinators in a bind. You have to defend the quarterback run game when you're dealing with the Buffalo Bills, and that is one of the reasons why sometimes we see these wide receivers run free because everyone is really in a dilemma when it comes to defending this offense. Yeah, another takeaway from this game, too. Mario Addison, some of these players on this Buffalo defense that you don't hear a lot about, man, they have got so many good, solid players that play hard and they're productive. He was one that jumped off the tape to me when I watched him, just a very competitive player uh, coming off the edge. And then I thought, man, the other takeaway from that game, Sam Darnold was terrible. Um, They could not get anything going offensively for the Jets. They didn't get separation down the field. They have no speed in the backfield. Um, it was a rough showing there for the Jets. And, oh, uh, lucky them, they get the Niners next week, uh, who are going to be a little, bit, a little bit upset coming off their loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, not a great start for the Jets. All right, Buck, what's your next one there? You got one in the uh, AFC South for us. Yeah, in Jacksonville, 
youth is served. Play fake. Minshew looks. Fires. Corner of the end zone. Wide open. Keelan Cole's going to walk into the end zone. Touchdown, Jacksonville. And the Jags have taken the lead with 5.56 to play in the ball game. Great play by the offense. Great response. You know, DJ, it, it, it's funny because you never know. When you don't have preseason, you can't see these teams play before. You just don't know. And so when the reports come out that Jacksonville has 16 rookies on their opening day roster, you're like, how are they ever going to compete? And here's what I'm going to tell you. They played hard, man. They played hard from beginning to end. Did a great job of giving the energy and effort that Doug Marone wanted. Garner Minshew was on fire. Uh, this game plan that Jay Gruden had, a lot of screens, a lot of sideline to sideline stuff. It was almost as if I was watching Minshew back at Wazoo. And then the young guys that they played, two starters that stood out. C.J. Henderson was terrific in coverage, had three PBUs, also had an interception. And then the undrafted free agent they had in running back James Robinson stepped up 90 scrimmage yards on 17 touches. Because of their young guys being able to step up, they knocked off a team that we are talking about being one of the top teams in the AFC. I just didn't see this. Hats off to Doug Marone for getting these young guys to play so hard. Rhett, I'd love to get your thought on that because watching that game, man, you kind of got the full Phillip Rivers experience on the other side as well. You got the 300-plus yards, a bunch of big plays, but then you had those two throws. You just you can't have those mistakes. Well, and I was talking to Ladanian Tomlinson about it on Game Day Live yesterday. You know, his former teammate, Phillip Rivers, when they were together with the Chargers, and I was like, well, this is kind of why the Chargers were okay letting Phillip Rivers move on. Because, yes, while he will put up some numbers and put up some points and put up some yards, it's the turnovers that you can't live with. Now, they went down there. That first drive, I was like, all right, this familiarity with Sirianni, with Frank Reich, really is going to pay off. I mean, like, this, that first drive was perfectly executed. Naheem Hines had kind of become the forgotten man in this offense with Marlon Mack and then Jonathan Taylor. We didn't even hear from Jonathan Taylor until Marlon Mack got hurt with the ruptured Achilles. That's terrible news, by the way. But now that they got Taylor and Naeem Hines, I don't think that we've heard the last of, of the Indianapolis Colts. I think if Phillip can find a way to just pull back a little bit, I know that's not in his DNA. Uh, DJ, you know that as well as anybody. Um, but the other thing I thought was funny on the Jag side of things, Deej, was, was watching Gardner Minshew you know, after the game, you know, this guy just lives for every moment. I love I love how passionate he is. I'm, I love his energy. Uh, and then he said, you know, after watching James Robinson hurdle, uh, I forget who it was on defense and then run for about 25 yards on that reception. He, go, he said he turned and looked to, to his right tackle, John Taylor. He's like, who is this guy? I mean, like, literally, we didn't know. <laughs> You know, like, I get it, Gardner. I mean, we didn't know. Like, they cut Leonard Fournette. You're like, all right, who's running the ball for this team? Well, look, they're figuring out a way to do it. Also, LaVisca Chenault. I thought he was pretty impressive as well in his debut. Yeah, big-time talent there with LaVisca Chenault. Buck, you know, they've got a lot of speed, a lot of speed uh, on that Jaguar team, both sides of the ball. Young, inexperienced, but, man, what a great start for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, we mentioned it during the offseason when we were talking about the Arizona Cardinals. Bucky and myself, I don't know, Rhett, you have an opportunity here before we get to this takeaway. You can join the Move the Sticks pinky promise, which is the fact that we are all in on the Arizona Cardinals. We're not bailing on them. They're going to the postseason. We were on them before wow. the season started. You put your pinky up there, that means you're in. And, and one, of the reasons, uh, one of the reasons we're feeling good today is not just because we had a great Sunday of football. It's because the pinky promise thus far He's looking good. Snap to Murray. Straight drop back with time. Throws to the right. Wide open. Hopkins caught at the 20. Far side 10. 5. And he's hit at the 1. Welcome to the Valley Nuke. DeAndre Hopkins. His 14th catch of the day.
I had an executive inside the NFC West after I posted some Kyler Murray runs this morning on Twitter. Uh, he called me and said, please don't post any more of those. You're giving me nightmares having to watch this guy run around. And, and he brought up a great point. It's like watching Russell Wilson in fast forward. That, that's what it looks like. He's a, he's a faster, more dynamic, more explosive Russell Wilson as a runner who does a great job protecting himself as well, doesn't take any shots. And now you've got a legitimate number one wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Buck, we, we mentioned the fact we were on this team, and I think Kyler was a big part of that, Hopkins. But then you also have a defense with some, with some playmakers on that side of the ball as well. Yeah, the defense stood up. You know, we've seen the San Francisco 49ers running game give opponents problems, but they didn't. They couldn't get their way up front. The Arizona Cardinals were able to kind of impose their will. They were able to keep the running game contained, and that in turn put the game on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders. And I think anybody who is facing the 49ers, that's what you want. You want to have to make Jimmy Garoppolo make plays when everyone in the stadium knows he has to make those plays, and he wasn't able to do it. But to go back to your point about Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is so dangerous because he has that Pat Mahomes-like feel in terms of his arm talent, but he is more dynamic as a runner and playmaker. And then you pointed out, because you said this on Twitter, of those, what, 13 runs, 12 of those he didn't get touched. He was either able to slide or score or get out of bounds. His baseball ability and his awareness, knowing what's going on around him, that's what makes him dangerous because he doesn't put himself in harm's way. Yeah, you know, the thing that I took away uh, from this and watching Kyler, um, because I was I was caught up watching the Bucks and the Saints and uh, the Bengals and the Chargers uh, a lot during this uh, this afternoon window. So going back and watching DJ's uh, Instagram feed, that's that next gear, that top gear that he hit on the touchdown run at the very end. I, I don't know that I've seen anything like it. Um you know, DJ, that that next year that he I don't know that there are people out there. There are players out there that have that ability. I think it was Jimmy Ward that was chasing him uh, down there towards the goal line. And I mean, he just he had five yards of separation like that. Um, and what does it say about it this NFC like, West division? Go ahead. No, I was going to say it looked like Derrick Rose. I mean, it, looked, it just yeah. like it just stupid uh, explosiveness. I mean, to have he's he's running. He has to come almost to a dead stop. He's got a defender chasing him at full speed. He looks out of the corner of his eyes, sees him for a count, and then boom, he immediately separates like four yards. Uh, It's just, it was freaky to watch his acceleration there. So what does it say about the NFC West that the last place team in the division just knocked off the defending NFC champions? What does that say about the competitiveness of this division? I want to get the buck on that. I want to get the buck on that because last year, we forget, Arizona Cardinals played the Niners tougher than anybody last year. Played them twice. Played them tough. Could have beat them twice. So uh, I don't know that this should be a big surprise to anybody. This is a team that is very dangerous as they start figuring things out under Cliff Kingsbury in year two, Bucky. This is a team, I'm telling you, man, this is a scary group. Very scary group. Just love the way they're putting it together. Give, Give Cliff Kingsbury credit because he has certainly adapted and adjusted to the NFL game. We're seeing a a little more balance. Kenyon Drake is the perfect running back for what they want to do. And then defensively, all eyes were on Vance Joseph. What was he going to do to a defense that was very disappointing a year ago? This defense has stood up. I like the way they're deploying their major playmakers. Isaiah Simmons, you can see him in action. Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones. They have enough to give people problems. And as long as Kyler Murray is able to get this offense going up and down the field, man, they're going to play a bunch of shootouts and they're going to win a ton of games.
Hey, hey, DJ, one last thing before I get to this last takeaway here on a positive note for the 49ers. How great was it to see Jarek McKinnon get into the end zone after not playing a snap the last two years? That's awesome. That was awesome. Hats off yeah. to him for for just showing that stick to and that work ethic to get himself back and ready and get on NFL field. What an accomplishment uh, for him. Yeah, easy to root for. Yeah. Easy to root for that guy. Uh, how about the final takeaway of the day here, Rhett? What do you have? Well, okay, here we go. <laughs> The Atlanta Falcons are the best onside kick football team in the NFL. Onside kick attempt to the far side. Falcons have it. The Falcons execute the onside kick brilliantly. Now you can't advance an onside kick, but it was caught in stride by Foye Aluakon, and a beautifully executed onside kick gives the Falcons the ball back. So look, guys, look, I mean, let me just give you the numbers here, okay? The Falcons' onside kick that they recovered here against the Seahawks, uh, they're third since 2018. That's the most by any team since the rule restricting player movement ahead of the actual ball being kicked off the tee a couple of years ago went into place. They're three for 10 when attempting onside kicks. That's like Hall of Fame batting average numbers here, okay, if we're talking (laughs) baseball. Um, So the problem is, you don't want to be that good at the onside kicks. You don't want to have to attempt them that many times, but that's the the case the Falcons have been in, especially early part of last season. They trailed from the jump in this game here against the, the Seahawks and felt like they were in desperation mood, de- desperation mode early. And that, of course, is because of the game plan that Brian Schottenheimer put into place for the Seahawks, where you know they they came out firing in the pass game, which surprised me a little bit. You know they kind of made a name for themselves running the football, especially last year. You know with Chris Carson and company, he caught two touchdown passes in this game early, and then Russell Wilson just absolutely magnificent again with the deep ball. You know DK Metcalf, but I thought overall the Seahawks offense just absolutely overpowered this Falcons team. Then again, you know, Bucky has too much talent to be sitting here and kind of getting blown out at home in week one of this season. Yeah, now this is a tough one, right? It's a tough one for Atlanta Falcons fans because you're excited about all of the talent that they had on offense. But then you look up, Matt Ryan has 54 pass attempts. That is not a game plan that's conducive to them winning, particularly against high-end teams. They never could get control of the game because defensively, they couldn't slow down the Seahawks. And then we talk about Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson being magnificent. 31 for 35, over 300 yards. There is a movement in a faction of fans, the 12s, that have been begging and clamoring for Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer to let Russ cook. Well, they let they Russ did. cook uh, on Sunday, and they got off to a fast start. I think you can see Russell Wilson in the kitchen a little more, uh, whipping up some nice dishes uh, as the Seahawks go forward. Well, the chef, the chef there had four incompletions and four touchdowns. So when those numbers equal, I, I definitely think you need to invest some more money in the kitchen and uh, and let Russ cook. To put it uh, to put it mildly, there absolutely. I mean, Maybe throw D- some dessert in there. Why not? And DJ for the Falcons, like, look, they had more first downs, more passing yards, more total yards, more offensive plays, higher third down conversion rate. Only one real turnover in this game, and yet they trailed virtually the whole time. That's just. You, you, can't have those things. You can't keep having these things for the Falcons where they have to come back both in the landscape of a game and in the entire season like we saw year. Well, they've tried to invest now year after year. They've tried to invest in the pass rush and in coverage and year after year, those same issues and uh, those same warts keep showing. So, hey, look, it, it's week one. That's the good news. It's week yeah. one. Uh, don't don't right. overreact. Just throw all this out the window. If you're, if you're a fan of any of these teams that lost, <laughs> just be patient. It's a long season.
So a lot of football, a lot of great football we had the opportunity to watch on Sunday. A couple more games coming up on Monday. We've got an intriguing matchup coming up on the short week on Thursday. Uh, you can find the YouTube content. We have NFL.com, or sorry, YouTube.com slash NFL podcast. Uh, check us out there as well. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. Rhett Lewis joined us as well. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.